I want to speak to you this morning from uh, the concept, take a second look. Has anybody ever had to take a second look at something? Give me a wave, give me a wave. Uh, recently, April showed me a photo of Lila. And being the father that I am, I looked at the photo and I thought that was cool. And she was with another friend of hers. And April said, take a closer look. So I went back and I had a second look in the goal to try and get more detail and I'd realised that uh, Lila had got into the makeup with her friend and she had half attempted eyeliner and she had half attempted blush or foundation and you know what, she almost pulled it off that at the first look I didn't really notice but at the second look I quickly realised that there was something going on uh, with the makeup there, cute smile, that's all I really noticed. Um, I hope that stuff wasn't expensive, but she got into it anyway. Have you ever had to take a second look? I've got a friend of mine, his name is Caleb. He is an incredible man of God, but let me explain to you. He doesn't let the world tell him how to dress. He is one of those guys that I would describe has his own style. Does anybody have that family member? You know that family member that refuses to give up on that T-shirt? Or that pair of pants? Or that pair of underwear? Give me a wave. Come on. Amen. Amen. Well, this guy, Caleb, I walked past him at a conference recently and we wave and we smile. And as I get about four or five steps past him, I think to myself, I've got to have another look. I look back at him. He is wearing two different shoes. So I ask what any person would ask, Caleb, was that a mistake? It was not a mistake. At second look, I realised that the whole outfit was whatever he really wanted to wear and that is his thing. Have you ever wanted to have a second look? There's a place in Geelong. When I was studying, I, uh, would, you, would you believe that I get quickly uninspired when I'm in a study? I love people. I love to be where action is. I find that I'll often wander down to the Bandura factory outlets and I'll do a bit of study there because I love being around people. I love praying for the individual uh, that's walking past. I, I love people. I love people staring, actually. I think April and I both love that. Is anybody a people stare here? Give me a wave. There's a few of us. Everyone knows my story at the gym. Uh, but we won't go there, but airports are another one. You always see people rushing. I love to cheer for them. You can make it, you know. (laughs) Go! But there's this place in Geelong I love, I love, I love going there. It's on the top of a car park that overlooks uh, Cario Bay. It's just, it's called the Waterfront in Eastern Beach in Geelong, and I used to go there and study, and every time I'd go there and I'd look, I'd see something new. I'd see something beautiful. This morning I want to talk to you about taking a second look at the Word of God. Do you know, sometimes you have a person in your life that you spend every day with and you're constantly in their environment and then every now and then if you begin to look, you begin to see something new in them. I think it's the same with the Word of God. I think that if you go in reading the Word of God with what I like to call soft eyes, going in with with, uh, the prayer, God, speak to me from your Word. I believe that He reveals something to you that's new, something to you that's precious, something to you 
that helps you to grow closer to God, helps you to minister to others, helps you to look outward. But what can happen is if we read our Bible every day and it becomes routine, it can lose its power. I want to look with fresh eyes this morning. Can we pray? Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. I pray that you would speak this morning less of me and more of you. I pray that your, your word will, will divide soul and spirit, Lord God. I pray that if there are people here today that are, are lacking hope, bring hope today. Those that are, are, are needing healing, bring healing today. But Lord, I pray that you would help us to fall more in love with you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. If you guys want to turn in your Bibles to Revelations chapter 5. Revelation chapter 5. I love the book of Revelation. Love the book of Daniel. I love reading into it. I love looking and preparing and thinking and dwelling. And what's happening in this part of Revelation is chapter 4 has just gone by and and. John the writer has just had this vision of, of the throne room of God and, and obviously looking at the centre of the throne being God and his presence and what's surrounding him. And what happens is as, as we tip into Revelation 5, there, there is a new vision commencing. And what happens is the centre of the scene goes to God's right hand. And he's holding something. I want to read it to you and then I want to look with soft eyes. Then I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll with writing on both sides and sealed with seven seals. I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, Who is worthy to break the seal and open the scroll? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside it. I wept and wept because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll and look inside. Then one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. See, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. Then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain, standing at the centre of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. The lamb had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. He went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each had a harp, and they were holding a golden bowl full of incense, which are the prayers of God's people. And they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals, because you were slain. With your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God, and they will reign on the earth. Then I looked and heard a voice of many angels numbering thousands upon thousands and ten thousands upon ten thousands. They encircled the throne of the living God and creatures and the elders. 
And in a loud voice they were saying, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honour and glory and praise. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be praise and honour and glory and power forever and ever. The four living creatures said, Amen, and the elders fell down and worshipped God. What a cool scene. We see John in the throne room of God and, and the centre of the scene is God is holding a scroll with seven seals. And an angel stands up and there's some commentary about who they think it is. Some people believe it's Gabriel, but we know that it's an angel of, of high rank. And he stands up and he says, who is worthy to open the scroll? It's got writing on both sides, seven seals. And John begins to cry and weep because no one's worthy to open it. No one's worthy to open the scroll. Now, why is John crying? If you read through that, the story, the story kicks on and, and we see that Jay, Jesus comes and, and, and grabs a hold of the scroll. But you think, well, if I'm looking with soft eyes and I'm taking a second look, why is John crying? Well, you see, scholars believe and I believe that that, that scroll, the writing on that scroll is actually God's plan of judgment and redemption. And John is crying because no one can execute God's plan of redemption except for Jesus. So he's holding a scroll and no one is able to open it and he, he's crying, but yet an elder comes to him and says, there's no need to cry. Jesus, the lion of the tribe of Judah, is worthy. The lion, I love the thought of Jesus as the lion of the tribe of Judah. Do you know what I sing to my kids? Should I do it? <laughs> Every evening, I put them in bed. Should I? I'll do it. I'm looking at April thinking, I can't, all right. And I, and I go to them. He is the lion of the tribe of Judah. Jesus took our chains, broke them and freed us. Now he is our rock, our victory. Does anybody remember this song? He is a strength in the time of weariness, a triumph in the time of war. Oh, he is the host of Israel. <laughs> I see that. That's a standing ovation. The lion of the tribe of Judah. I love the thought of that because you see, when I, when I walk around and I walk through life, when I think of the lion, I think strong. I think authority. 
You see, because what's happening in this scene, if you think about it, it's almost like uh, the modern day version of, of, of Thor. You know, who was able to pick up the hammer or King Arthur's sword? Who was able to remove the sword? You see, no one is worthy but the lion of the tribe of Judah is stepping forward to take the scroll so that he can execute God's plan of redemption for us. You know, I have this picture that I walk and there are challenges that stand in front of me. And and as I look at those challenges, there's fear on their face, but not because they see me, but because they see who is with me. The lion of the tribe of Judah is with me. And because of that, I have strength. In Genesis 49, 9 and 10, it says that Jesus there, when they're talking about the lion of the tribe of Judah, it's considered royalty. It's his prophesied kingship as he comes. In Isaiah 31, 4, it talks about the lion that he fights on behalf of his people. The lion is a figure here of strength. That's my guy. I'm with the lion of the tribe of Judah. That figure can open the scroll. But then when you read in verse 6, John says, And then I saw a lamb. It's not a lion. And in fact, if you look at the original translation, the word is a neon. It actually means little lamb. Looking like it's been slain. To me, as I reflected on that scripture, I thought, wow, isn't that amazing that in the presence of the Most High God, there is a lamb looking like it has been slain, a constant reminder of why we've been set free standing before God. A lamb. So as I read that, I think, but God, I love the lion. Yeah. The lamb? And then if you look at the original language, it's painting a picture of it's a little lamb. Like that doesn't look that tough. And then as I read it, we've got to begin to understand that when we look with soft eyes, we begin to see God is speaking to us beyond just a picture because now this lamb has seven horns and seven eyes. As I looked at that, I thought to myself, the first time I read it, I'm like, that's a bit weird. Like a little lamb with stuff going on there. But if you begin to look deeper, you see horns in the biblical text have a meaning and carry a meaning of power. Seven, a number of completedness or finished. God had finished power, unlimited power, all power. It's completed power. You can't have any more. This lamb is not just a little lamb, but is an unlimited, powerful lamb with seven eyes. You see, the eyes represent knowledge. Seven being completed. You see, I'm looking at this little lamb. I'm wanting to see a lion, but yet I'm seeing a lamb looking like it was slain as a constant reminder to God of what he's done. And he's actually a picture of unlimited power, unlimited knowledge, and yet he chose to die for me and to die for you. So this little lamb steps up 
and takes a hold of the scroll. And instantly worship breaks out for him. Instantly they begin to sing a new song saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals because you were slain. With your blood you purchased God, uh, for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them a kingdom and priests to serve God. You see, when I looked upon that, instantly we go, he is worthy to take the scroll and unlock God's redemptive plan for your life. It says the cost. It says with your blood you purchased. He can open the seal because he has paid the price of shedding his blood for our forgiveness. And with that, he purchased us. For God. He purchased us for a relationship stored, restored back to our maker. And it says that you have made them kingdom and priests to serve God. You see, kingdom being the fact that because we have Jesus, we now have the inheritance of the Father. You see, we've become kings and priests because of what Christ has done in our life. And then the priest being that we need no mediator between us and God anymore. We only need Jesus. So we can enter into the throne room where there are hundreds of millions of angels. And actually, when you look closer at that word, it's actually more of an indication that the number of angels surrounding are actually, they're uncountable. You can't number them and they worship and they sing because he is worthy. Because what he did for us. I stand there and I think, what an amazing picture. What a God that I serve. That when no one was worthy, there was one. And he chose to die for me. So I look at this scene and I, and I look at these angels and these elders and these people worshipping God. And yet I think sometimes, how is my prayer life? Sometimes I think to myself, wow. I get to enter that throne room because of Jesus. But do I come in with the right attitude? Do I come in with joy? Do I come in with excitement? You know, I'm not feeling the music today. I'm tired. I had an argument with my partner on the way. We're entering in to the presence of the Most High God because of the greatest gift we could ever receive. From him. So I said, Lord, as I look at this with fresh eyes, what do you want me to apply from this picture to my life? And I felt the Lord say to me, They prayed in response. It says, And when he had taken it, in regards to the scroll, this is verse 8. The four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, each one of them, 
had a harp and they were holding golden bowls full of incense which are the prayers of God's people. They're holding a bowl with incense. That's a beautiful smell to our God that comes from our prayers to Him. As I walk through my house, I see candles that smell. I see reed diffusers that hold incense then. And as it comes up the stick, over time it begins to dry out. And I thought to myself, what are my prayers doing to God? I don't want to let the bowl that I get to be a part of run dry because I'm not praying fervently. In Thessalonians 5, 16, 1 Thessalonians, it says, Rejoice always, pray continually. I want to pray continually because I want God to, to smell the, the prayers that I bring to Him in love and affection because He's worthy of my prayer. In 2 Corinthians 2, 15 and 17, it talks about that we have an aroma because of Christ. Because of that little lamb, our prayers are able to be received. I have an opportunity to get before the King of Kings. And do I take it for granted? Have I been in the environment for too long? That I've forgotten that I should pray with all my heart as I'm grateful for his mercy, his strength, his power, his protection, his plan, that he's redeemed me. Do I pray in response or do I pray in routine? I think there's nothing wrong with routine. There's nothing wrong with being regimented. But what is your heart's attitude? Are you doing it out of routine because, oh, I'm about to eat. I've got to pray. Or are you doing it because, hey, I'm about to eat and I'm so grateful for your provision, Lord. Recently, in fact, it was on Monday, we went out for dinner. We went to someone's house. And while they were... We were having dinner. We decided night time came. We put the kids down to bed. It's what you do. My kids are great. Generally, they're pretty good. But for some reason this night, Jai thought it was a good idea to stick his finger up Kiara's nose. And then we come out to Lila panicking and Kiara's in the bathroom and there is blood everywhere. So as a parent, am I thinking about my child's health or am I thinking about she's getting blood all over the carpet and the, the blanket and the... Freshly renovated house. So I get over to the bathroom and I hop into nursing mode. Oh, I need a face washer. I need this. Kiara, put your head forward because what we want is not the blood to run down the back of your throat. And I'm squeezing her nose. And in the midst of it, I see my daughter beginning to relax. Hey, Dad's here. Dad's got me. He's with me. And from underneath this uh, blood-filled face washer here, oh, I love you, Dad. I'm like, oh, You see, what had happened is there was a response that had come from her heart because her father was doing something for her that she didn't know how to do for herself. And in that response, in that moment, that genuine heart of affection towards her father, 
I felt incredibly blessed. You see, in response, not just routine. We can't take God's supernatural provision ever for granted because you know what? He's so good. He's so good that he wrote down and he planned and he purposed your entire life, your entire existence because he loves you. So when I pray, is it because I want to eat and thank you, Lord, let's go? Do I pray because, oh, no, I'm a pastor. I haven't, I haven't prayed yet today or, or I, I haven't prayed and I'm a Christian and I should do that because it's a, a discipline or are you coming to your father? To the lamb that was slain, saying, worthy is the lamb to receive honour and glory and power because he is able to take the scroll that has set me free. We need to be a community that is responding in relationship with our God. Never just routine. Never just because it's what's done. Because my God is so worthy. And I know that he responds to the affection of his children. Because his word says to me that when I draw near to him with my heart, it says he will draw back. It says in Jeremiah 29, 13, that when I seek him earnestly, I will find him. Why is that? It's because God is responding to you responding To his love, his goodness, his mercy for our lives. As I read that and read that scripture, I thought to myself, Lord, don't, please. I just love you. I'm so grateful for your son. I thank you that you gave up the only being that could be worthy to set me free. I'm so grateful. Because you see, I desire relationship with God more than anything else. And I felt the Lord say to me, what does my worship look like? I remember when I was younger, living in Geelong, I was about eight or nine years old. And Gary Ablett Sr. came and rocked up at church. Now, at the time, he's playing AFL football. He's like the biggest thing ever. Oh, hey, we need to call a prayer meeting for Wednesday for the Essendon Football Club. Who stopped praying? Because something went wrong yesterday. So anyway, Gary Ablett has rocked up at the church. And I'm like, that's Gary Ablett. I don't even go for them, but that was Gary Ablett. It was pretty cool. So we're in kids' church, and I see a kid that looks a bit sporty. So I go up to this kid and I thought, I'm going to impress this kid. Hadn't seen this kid before. And I said, hey, do you know that Gary Ablett goes to this church? And he goes, so? It's my dad. <laughs> now, everybody at that point, you think you'd backpedal, but not me. I'm like, he's not your dad. He goes, no, no, he's my dad. My name is Gary Ablett. I'm like, oh, he's going to give you the same name. Anyway, after the service... To prove it, he goes up to his father, 
wraps his arm around him, gives him a hug. You see, what had happened is there was relationship there. There had been a way made for that relationship that he could go to his father and he could hug him. Relationship. I remember when I was around the same age, I woke up one night and saw a figure like a shadow in my room. Uh, To me, it looked quite, uh, as a, a young child, frightening. So I do what any child does. I go into my parents' room. I grab my my dad. I said, Dad, there was a weird thing in my room. It really frightened me. And something rose up spiritually in my dad. It was a righteous anger as though he had felt something had made its way into my room. And how dare it? I went back to bed and heard for the pretty much the remainder of the night until I was asleep, my father walking up and down the corridor praying for me, praying over the house. This was the middle of the night. But see, what had happened is I had seen the relationship I had with my father but more than that I saw the relationship he had with my heavenly father and I thought to myself I want that and it's available because the lamb that was slain made a way Dan I might get you to come up You see, one day, as Philippians 2.10 says, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. In heaven and on earth and under earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You see, what had happened is that when he had taken the scroll and there'd been an incredible response of worship, it gets to the end of verse 5 and it says, The four creatures and the elders, they say, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshipped God. You see, part of our relationship with God is our worship. So as I read this and I thought, I don't just want to pray in response, but what does my worship to God look like? You see, in the context of this scripture, looking at the word, the word is proskuneo, for worship. That literally means to take a knee or lay down in full submission. You see, they knew that the lamb was so worthy that all they could do, the greatest thing that they could do was humble themselves, lay down and submit to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords who's made a way for them. So as I looked at this picture with soft eyes, I thought this is not only a picture of worship, but in their worship, it's actually submission to God, His will, His worthiness, to His glory, to His power forever and ever. Amen. It's a picture of submission. So when we think about it, with our worship, it's so correlated with our submission to His will and His plan. 
As I worship God and as I pray, I ponder, have I submitted my worries? Have I submitted my struggles? Have I submitted my plans and my timing? As I looked at these verses with soft eyes, I realized that my worship should be, as Paul wrote in Philippians 1.21, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. No matter what price I pay, I give my life to you, Lord, in submission to you and your will. Because you are worthy of all praise. So this morning with every eye closed, I have, I have two questions to ask. The first question I ask the room is, is there anybody here today that you've heard me talk about the lion of the tribe of Judah, which is Jesus, the lamb that was slain, that made a way, which is Jesus. The question I ask you today with every eye closed and every head bow is do you have a relationship with him? You see, in that vision that John had, it is showing us that the only way to unlock God's plan of redemption is through Jesus. You see, we've all sinned. We've all done stuff wrong, which separates us from God. But because of Jesus, the Lamb, we can be restored to God if we ask for forgiveness from Him and relationship with Him. So the question I ask today with every head bowed, is there anybody here that might be unsure whether or not they have a relationship with Jesus and want one so that they know that they know they're in right standing with God. If that's you today, would you raise your hand? Hallelujah. Now to our community, with every eye closed. What we're going to do now is we're going to provide an opportunity to respond to God and His goodness and His worthiness. So my prayer today is simple. I'm going to ask you to stand if you want to walk out of this place with a fresh love a fresh reverence, a fresh understanding that Christ made the way that no one else could make a way and that we would respond and we would act and we would submit in a way that brings honour and glory and power to Him forever and ever. We may be Christians in this room. There may be people that have been Christians for 50 years following Jesus. But it's almost that picture, uh, that revelation of God and His goodness has, has been there, but has almost grown a bit dry. But we want more from God today. Holy Spirit to refill. If that's you, I just want to encourage you to stand now just quickly.
Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. So with every person that's standing, if you would raise your hands. I'm going to pray a simple prayer. Then we're going to worship God. Dear Heavenly Father, right now in this place, I thank you for your Son, Jesus. Jesus, I thank you. I thank you that with all power, with all knowledge, you didn't consider equality with God something to grasp, but that you became a man because you were worthy to die for the sins of the world. Lord, we don't take our salvation for granted, Lord. We thank you, we give you honour and we give you glory. Help us to worship in a new way, with a new revelation of who you are. Help us to pray in a new way. Lord, as you continue to illuminate your scripture as we pray and we thank you for who you are, Lord. Help us to submit in a new way. As we worship you in Jesus' name, amen, amen. One of the rest of you that are seated, stand and let's just sing this song just for a minute or two.